Good morning. Good morning. I just love this song. This really ministered to me, uh, Ari. Come drop your burden at Jesus' feet and bear a song away. Uh, my text this morning is Philippians 4.4. 4. And it's a somewhat repetitious text, even though it's a very short test, text. And I was thinking about the song that goes with it. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Philippians is Paul's happiest book. He wrote quite a bit of the New Testament. And there is no writing of his, I don't think anybody argues on this, that this is his happiest book. And it's just so remarkable, especially when we think that it was written in such terrible circumstances. Chapter 1, he talks about how he's in prison. And he's in Rome. He was wanting to get to Rome to share the gospel there, but he got there as a prisoner. And there were other people who were trying to make his life difficult. They were competing with his ministry. They were preaching Christ, but not with good motives. And that must have been a, a weight on him. So to be locked in a prison of some kind, I don't know if he was shackled or not, and to know about all the people out there that he wanted to minister to and how there was the gospel being preached with wrong motives. And yet, out of this book, you just read the word joy and rejoice again and again and again, at least 17 times. The word rejoice or joy just bubbles out. He starts out the book by saying, I'm so happy as I think about you. I'm so happy as I'm praying for you. And he goes into his, his prayer right there in the first uh, chapter saying, I know that God who started the work in your heart is going to bring it to completion. And then in the second, uh, the second chapter, that familiar chapter about Jesus, our example of humility. And he was calling them to serve one another in the same way that Jesus served. So chapter 1, he's just rejoicing that they're partakers of the gospel. They're saved. He's rejoicing what God's doing there. And in the second chapter, he's, he's calling them to have the mind of Christ, not just partake of Christ and be saved, but to think. Get your mind in line with Jesus' mind. And he gives some examples at the end of chapter 2. Timothy was an example of a Christian who was just all out for Jesus, all out for others. And Epaphroditus at the end of chapter 2 is also, he was like a, a, a FedEx man. He apparently carried a, a package from the Philippian church to Paul in prison in Rome. And Paul said, I'm so thankful. Part of the reason the letter was written, perhaps, was to thank the Philippian church for sending this care package. Maybe it was blankets. Maybe it was food. Probably money, because the long travel from northern uh, Greece, where Philippi is, to Rome in that time must have taken a long time, whether it was by the big road that the Romans had built or whether it was by ship, we don't know, but... He said, thank you for sending Epaphroditus. <laughs> and also, he was a messenger. He might have carried the book of Philippians back to the church. And he said, this man is just amazing. Be like Jesus. And if you need examples, Timothy's one to be like. Epaphroditus is one to be like. Epaphroditus was so sick. He was close to death. And I know you all were worried to death about him. 
So that may have been another reason that he sent them back so they could see he's still alive. He's still alive. And so there's all these reasons to rejoice. Well, you've long since found Philippians 4, so uh, go ahead and uh, open your Bibles. If you haven't, Philippians 4, I'm going to just go ahead and read the whole chapter. We're going to mainly focus on the first nine verses. I talked a little about Philippians 1 and 2. Philippians 3, Paul was basically saying, I want to know Jesus above everything else. I want to know Jesus. So chapter 1 talks about being a partaker of Jesus. Chapter 2, the mind of Jesus. Chapter 3, I want to know Jesus and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. I want to be linked with Jesus. He talked about how he had all this religious pedigree stuff. He said, I'm, I count all that rubbish compared to the knowledge of knowing Jesus. And so... He then starts chapter 4 with the word therefore. And the couple verses before that, he was saying, my mind is on Jesus, my mind is on heaven. We have a choice. We can put our mind on earthly things. We can put our mind on heavenly things in Jesus. And he's going to change our bodies. We're going to have a resurrected body just like his body. We're going to be with him. He's going to come soon. And all of that might be part of this therefore. Verse 20, maybe we'll just start at Philippians 3:20 to better understand the word therefore. If you want to stand up and I'll go ahead and read. I'm going to read Philippians 3, starting at verse 20 and then to the end of the letter. For our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body. that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. Therefore, my beloved and longed-for brethren, my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, beloved. I implore Euodia, and I implore Syntyche, to be of the same mind in the Lord. And I urge you also, true companion, Help these women who labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also and with the rest of my fellow workers, whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue and if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. But I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at last your care for me has flourished again, though you surely did care, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. 
I know how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Nevertheless, you have done well that you shared in my distress. Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving, but you only. For even in Thessalonica, you sent aid once and again for my necessities. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. Indeed, I have all and abound. I am full, having received from Epaphroditus the things, you, the things sent from you, a sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Now to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brethren who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, especially those who are of Caesar's household. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Lord, we just uh, pause here in thanksgiving for your word. Thank you for preserving this letter, these verses we just read, down to our day in our own English language. I just pray that this scripture would uh, be received in our minds, in our hearts, in our lives. Teach us, Lord. Forgive us. Cleanse us. Make us useful vessels for you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, we'll look at the person next to you and sing to him. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Rejoice, rejoice, and again I say rejoice. Rejoice, rejoice, and again I say rejoice. All right, this side, let's sing to this side, and you all come in a little later. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Rejoice, rejoice, and again I say rejoice. You may sit down. I don't know if you read through Philippians lately. I've been through it multiple times in the last couple months, and I've struggled a little bit with thinking, what's the theme verse? And different Bible helps pick different verses. Uh, some, one, one particular Bible help picked chapter 3, verse 1, which is, I think, a great, uh, a great candidate verse. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. This is 3, verse 1. To write the same things. Oh, he's writing. You know, when you're saying, what's the theme? Well, he's writing. To write the same things, again, is no trouble to me. And it is a safeguard for you. So basically, he's saying, I'm writing about joy. I want to share the joy of the Lord. Now, the word joy in Greek and the word praise... And the word grace, these three words are three different Greek words, but they all almost look the same. And they have to do with favor, happiness, blessing. 
I've heard the word grace defined as God's riches at Christ's expense. Christ dying on the cross for our sins is how we have favor with God. How we can trade this huge burden of sin. I don't know about you, but my list of sin was long. And even after I first trusted in Christ at age 12, there's still the need for grace, God's favor, God's forgiveness changing me. So it seems like his, one of his main reasons to write was that he wanted to just share this big thank you, this praise for how they reached out to him in his ministry. You see, in Acts 16, we read the story how the church at uh, Philippi started. There was several open things that happened. The door into Turkey, into Asia Minor, uh, had closed. They, he, Paul and his companions couldn't go uh, into Turkey. They did some of the coastal cities, but they wanted to go in, but the Holy Spirit said no. And so in a vision, there was a man that said, come on over here to Macedonia and help us. And so they had an open door into Greece. And so they went uh, by ship and they landed at a little town, I guess, close to Philippi, and they, they went on up the river to where Philippi was, and there was a second opening. Not only was there an open door to Europe, but there was an open heart in Lydia, and some other women who were gathered at the river praying. Could have been Euodia and Syntyche were part of that group of women. That's in verse 2 of chapter 4. Uh, maybe Clement. I, I don't know, but Lydia was a business lady, seller of purple, and she welcomed them to her house. And so the first Christian church in Europe, not counting Turkey as part of Europe, but most people would say this was the first Christian church planted in Lydia's house in northern Greece or Macedonia as it was called at that time. And so these people, they just loved Paul and Silas. They cared for him after they were locked in prison and were beaten. And the jailer and his household got saved and the church was growing. And eventually they moved on about 100 miles to Thessalonica. And I don't know if that's when the, the uh, Philippian church first sent a love offering. But he said, you were the church that helped me time and time again. And now that I'm in prison, you again are helping me. So it was like a big thank you letter and a, a, a letter of praise and thanksgiving. He loved these people. So maybe what we'll do is kind of go through these nine verses, Philippians 4, 1. We see his love for these people. And then, of course, we'll get into joy some more. And finally, uh, some verses on peace at the end. Love, joy, and peace. Now, that sounds familiar, doesn't it? Galatians, a similar letter, talks about the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, and peace. Three things that we get from God. I have been blessed... Uh, Second time in my life, I'm reading through the book Spirit Fruit. I think it was about 20 years ago I read it by John Drescher. And he talks about how the fruit of the Spirit is singular. It's not just many fruits. It's the Holy Spirit in our lives bringing out all these characteristic, characteristics. And certainly love is all through the fruit of the Spirit. Joy, love, joy, peace, love, Love is throughout all the, the fruits of the Spirit. Joy is love's cheerfulness or love's smile. Peace is love's confidence or love's quietness. 
Long-suffering is love's composure. Kindness is love's consideration. Goodness is love's character. Faithfulness is love's constancy. Meekness is love's comeliness. And self-control is love's conquest. Joy is the gladness of love. Peace is the quietness of love. Long-suffering, the patience of love. Others see this fruit in three groups. The first three, love, joy, and peace, show our relationship with God. He gives us his love. He gives us his peace. He gives us joy. The second three, Christians' relationship to others. Long-suffering toward others. Patience. Gentleness. And the third could relate perhaps mostly to us, ourselves, temperance or self-control. Humility or meekness and faith, which we have in our heart toward God. I also thought of the Sunday school song, J-O-Y, J-O-Y, this must surely mean Jesus first, yourself last, and others in between. I don't know about you, but I have struggled greatly all my life to uh, keep that order in my head because I tend to think of me first and myself second. Me, myself, and who's the third one? I. Me, myself, and I. I don't know if anybody else has that problem. And so when I'm thinking of God, I'm thinking of all the things God can do for me. When I think of others, I think about all the things others can do for me. <laughs> Becomes very self-focused. Gail Irvin is a preacher, a very funny preacher. I've never met him in person, but um, read some of his teachings. And he, he mentioned whenever he gets a photograph of a whole bunch of people, I don't know if you can relate to this. If you have an old class photograph, church photograph, family photograph, he said his eyes always go right to himself first. Have you noticed that if you're looking at a photograph? This is just kind of how we're wired, aren't we? But Paul's saying it's time to get new wiring. It's time to get our mind in sync with Jesus' mind, who even though he had everything comfortable and everything going for him in heaven, he went outside of his comfort zone, descended down to earth, took on a human body, not just an ordinary human body, but the body of a slave, even lower than that of appeared like a criminal, died a criminal's death because he was thinking of me and he was thinking of you. He didn't go to the cross for himself. He went there for us. So Philippians 2 says, get your mind in sync with the mind of Jesus. All right, Jesus first. I also went through and looked at all the times it mentions Lord or God, or Jesus. And this book of Philippians is just full of Jesus. Stand fast in the Lord. And you'll see the word in the Lord, which could refer to Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, or it could refer just to the Lord Jesus. Either one, I think, fits very well. So we're thinking about the Lord, Jesus first. But then, we're, it's not just me and Jesus. God's created us to live in community and live with other Christians. And for all the good things going for the Philippian uh, church, verse 2, Philippians 4, 2, they had a problem. They had a situation. 
They had two deaconesses, maybe. Leaders in the church who were there, maybe from the beginning, maybe at the river at the early prayer, who had some screechy notes. I'm thinking of the word, what's the opposite of harmony? Um, dissonance. dissonance. So that's a big word. Thank you. So the notes weren't on the same note. They weren't harmonizing. They were in different keys. Euodia, uh, which means fragrance. You know, when things are going well, it's pretty pleasant, isn't it? Euodia is fragrance, but her attitude maybe at times was odious. It just, it, whew, something, something doesn't smell right in here. Did you burn a toast again? I've heard that at our house more than once because I like toast really brown, almost black, but there's a fine line there between a, a perfect toast and, and a horrible smell. But Euodia, something about her attitude wasn't good. Or Syntyche. I shouldn't say or, it's and. I implore, I beg, I entreat. All these different words used in the different English languages. Euodia. I implore, I entreat, I beg. It's really strong, strong verb in the Greek. Syntyche, which means fortunate. That sounds positive. That sounds like grace, doesn't it? But something was amiss. And he, he didn't say it's... 90% one of you and 10% the other. He just begged each of them to do what? In the Lord. In the Lord. Get your mind in sync with the Lord. You see, at our house, when Nan and I are on different keys, and this happens, you may not see it at church when we're sitting together smiling and singing and worshiping. But this, over the last 34 years, maybe even uh, people who've been married 35 years, I heard that just happen to a couple here today. Sometimes you're not on the same key. And so there's a couple different ways to approach that. One is to sing louder. Doesn't work well. One is for the, uh, another is to try to get for, let's, let's just stick with Dan and Nan so you're not so uncomfortable, the rest of you, is for me to try to get on key with her or harmonize with her. Another is for her to try to harmonize with me. But the best way of all is what's here in verse 2. So in your school, in your workplace, in your marriage, in your family, maybe some brothers and sisters have a hard time getting along. I, I don't know if there's anybody that can relate to that. But here's the secret. Here's the main secret. Be of the same mind in the Lord. Focus on Jesus. I don't know how many times through the last 34 years when Nan and I would say, let's pray about this. By the end of that prayer, both of us were changed. And it's like, you know, this really isn't a big deal, is it? It's because our minds are getting in sync with Jesus. Now, verse 3 is very challenging, too, because sometimes we're not in the middle of the conflict. But there's someone else at the school, in the home, at the workplace, in the church, that's not getting along. So verse 3 is for us those times when we see others not getting along. I urge you also, or one of the 
translation said, I ask you. This, this verb isn't quite as strong. It's a, different, it's a different Greek verb than the one used for implore, beg, beseech. This is, I ask you, true companion. It might have been Luke. It might have been Lydia. We don't know who it was. But somebody else in the church, they probably knew who it was when the letter was being read. Maybe it was Epaphroditus himself who might have been carrying the letter. Help, Euodia. Help, Syntyche. These are Christian ladies with an amazing track record. They labored with Paul and the early church in getting the gospel to Philippi and spreading it on. They labored with Clement, with the rest of the team, all whose names are in the book of life. What's the thing to be most happy about today? Is it the good grade you got at school? Some of you just started school the last week or two. You may have taken tests. It is great to get a good grade, isn't it? To pass a test. And the disciples one time had went out on mission and they came back to Jesus and they were so happy. And Jesus said, the thing to really be happy about, boys, is not the people you healed and all this ministry that you did. Be happy that your name is written in heaven. Are you happy about that today? Wow. There's nothing so worrisome, I think, for a mind as to worry whether your name is in heaven or not. And I want to give you a word of assurance that if your faith is on Jesus and his blood shed on Calvary, his lifeblood, his resurrection, if your faith is on him, your name is in the book of life. I'm not making that up. That's what Jesus said. And we as Christians can have assurance. I tried teaching these verses at the jail about three weeks ago with the six or seven men that I didn't really know. I think one I had seen before, but it was a whole new group to me. And one man, it was on a Monday evening, uh, one man had just gotten to the uh, dorm. They had 50 or 60 people in this dorm, and those who wanted to come out to the Bible study came out. And so I was trying to warm this lesson up, knowing this uh, preaching assignment was coming. Sometimes I try things that, in the jail, and as Derek knows, it tends to be a little different there than here. So I was kind of getting into these verses, and I used uh, these verses about Jesus coming back soon, which is actually in our next verse too, verse four, the Lord is at hand, meaning the Lord could come back today. And uh, the end of chapter three, where it says, our mind is on heaven. We're looking for Jesus, he's coming back. And I looked at the guys and I said, he could come today. And this new guy who had just come to the dorm said, oh, don't say that. And we all kind of shifted from studying the scripture to shifting him, to looking at him. And he, he went on to explain, I, I'm not sure that I'm ready if the Lord comes back. You see, I'm a, a backslidden Christian. And I, I really don't. I, I don't think I would be ready if the Lord came back. <clears throat> never had a Bible study that started that way on the first verse. I was trying to teach about the word therefore, dearly beloved and long for, and say whenever you see a therefore, you look at the previous verses and see what it's there for, and because our mind's on heaven, 
Our minds getting refocused from earth to heaven because Jesus may come back. Therefore, we can stand firm in the Lord. We can hold on to Jesus. I don't know what you would have done at that point in the Bible study. Thankfully, this man was pretty talkative, so he went on and explained quite a bit about his previous faith in Christ and how he had slid, no, slid away. And I kind of went on with the Bible study. But I think the Holy Spirit helped me different times throughout the Bible study to go back to the cross of Jesus, the blood of Jesus. And salvation is only in the finished work of Jesus on the cross and in his resurrection. And as we put our faith on him, I probably mentioned how when I was 12 years old, I trusted in Christ for the first time. And I said something like, and today at 55 years old, my faith is still in Jesus. And those times when my focus gets off of Jesus, I get off track, backslidden. There's only one way to get back and to get ready, and it's back on the Lord Jesus. We got to the end of the lesson, and the man looked at verse 9. I was ready to have the closing song and go to prayer, but he was just looking. He said, that verse 9, which I didn't really even talk about, he said, it says, those things which you've learned and received and heard and saw, these do. This is what we're supposed to do. And I thought, oh, it sounds like he's getting back on track. <clears throat> and then our closing song was, have you been to Jesus for the cleansing? Flood, are you washed in the blood of the lamb? And the third verse is, lay aside the garments that are stained with sin and be washed in the blood of the Lamb. We finished the song, and he's looking at the paper with the song, and I hadn't really paid attention very much in my Bible study to verse 9 or to the last verse of the song, but he's looking at the song and saying, I feel so much better. That, that last verse, lay aside the garments that are stained with sin. Anyway, it was a most memorable Bible study for me. Because it seemed like this man started the Bible study with his focus on how he was in the ditch or backslidden away from Christ. And he was coming to Jesus, trusting in Jesus, laying aside the sin, which is what repentance is. It's turning from our sin and turning to the Savior. Well, I'm a little off the text, back into uh, the jail. But let's, let's come back to verse 2 and three. This is what I called others. Verse one is Jesus first. Focus on Jesus. Verse three and four, others. And so I don't know who in your life is the hardest right now to get along with. But this scripture would implore us, would beg us, would ask us, Jesus would want us to focus on Jesus and focus on how we can help the other person. What if we'd all come to church and say, how can I make church better for you today? What if those of you that are married would wake up and say, how can I help your day today? So often it's... <laughs> Hey, could you do something for me? <clears throat> but the way of Jesus is the way of looking to how to make life better for your sister, for your brother, for your teacher. 
we have at least one teacher here, maybe more than one teacher. Wouldn't it be great the students came and said, how could I do better today than I did yesterday? Wouldn't that be like music to a teacher's ear? All right, Jesus first, others next, and yourself last. So these last verses especially deal with our relationship with God. Verse four and five, rejoice in the Lord, praise the Lord. There's nothing like fighting the spirit of depression and discouragement as praising the Lord. Let your gentleness be known to all men. So share this joy with others. That might be in our modern world with a text message, a telephone message, an email. It might be going to the local nursing home and just sitting beside somebody who's out on the porch, who's lonely and needs someone to talk to. Nan and I went to Bentley Commons this Thursday morning and we went away so blessed. We took away much more than we, we gave. We tried to give a little scripture and song and smiles. This always happens. Every time I go to the nursing home with the sole purpose and the prayer, Lord, help me bless someone here tonight or this afternoon or morning, whenever you go, you will bless someone and you will go away blessed. Rejoice in the Lord always. And in case you didn't hear it, he says, again, I'm saying it, rejoice. <clears throat> Spread the word. The Lord is at hand could mean not only in time, meaning he could return today. It also means he is near and he is as near as the Holy Spirit in our heart. The Holy Spirit of Jesus is in our hearts and he's in our midst. He's here today. What a blessing. The Lord is near. So four and five are rejoicing or praising the Lord. Six and seven is relying on or praying to the Lord. What a way to deal with our anxieties. That's where Eric's song, I think, fit in so well. Come, cast your burdens on the Lord and trust his constant care. Why should this anxious load press down your weary mind? Haste to your heavenly Father's throne and sweet refreshment find. What a blessing to take all our anxieties, all our cares, to bring them to the mercy seat. You know, the, the hours of heaven are always open, aren't they? It's not like businesses that are closed on the weekend. Well, I'm going to have to wait till Monday at 9 o'clock, then I can put my request in. No, any time of the day or night, Jesus ever lives to intercede for us. The throne of mercy and grace is always open. So we can praise the Lord, and we should always. We should pray. Be in a constant mode of prayer. Pray without ceasing, as Paul said in Thessalonians. That doesn't mean every second, every minute, we're actually verbalizing prayers, but we're in an attitude of prayer. <clears throat> and that prayer is to be made with thanksgiving. Thanking God that he's hearing the prayer. Thanking God that he's going to answer it according to his will and for his glory in his time. 
Every one of those points are things I get hung up on because I want the answer now or maybe last week or last year. I want it the way I want it. But we should pray with thanksgiving in Jesus' name, according to God's will, for his glory, in his time. What a blessing. We can do this at any time. And then there's going to be a result in verse 7. The peace of God, which is beyond our understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. One of the most moving stories I heard was Kent Brantley's story five years ago. He's a family doctor who was in Liberia. He, his wife, and two children went to Liberia to, to take hope and love uh, with Samaritan's Purse and the hospital there. And they were only there a few months when the worst Ebola uh, epidemic in history broke out. More than 11,000 people died, something like 4,000 in that country and in the surrounding countries there in West Africa. And so Kent Brantley after a month or two of caring for these patients and wearing all this protective gear and spraying themselves off and trying to be very, very careful, he came down with Ebola. And that was, I think, in August 2014. And a couple, two or three months later, he had recovered enough. It was a miraculous recovery. The death rate was kind of in the 50 to 80% range, and he was very, very sick. But anyway, he spoke at the... Uh, Academy of Family Medicine annual meeting to a huge ballroom of people, and I was sitting about in the middle of it and just uh, was so touched with his story because he brought his faith into the story. And he mentioned how he, he was uh, in his house just very, very ill, and they were waiting on the Ebola test to come back. And after a number of days, the result came back, and it was positive. And he had, I guess, a cell phone connection. He called his wife, who had went to Texas. They were going to go to Texas for a family wedding. Wife and children had went ahead, and after they left is when he got sick. And so he wasn't going to be able to get to this wedding. He called his wife, Amber, and said, uh, Amber, it's, it's, the test is back. I have Ebola. And she started crying on the other end of the phone. And then he called his parents, and he called other family members, and the phone conversation was about exactly the same with all of them. He would tell them, they would cry. He said, but I wasn't crying. I, I felt a peace, even though I figured I'd probably die and would never see him again. And he said, the only way I could explain it was that the peace of God, which passes all understanding, was guarding my heart and mind. And it was a most, probably the most moving part of his story. And I have uh, his book, which was published the next year. And he didn't exactly put it in uh, those words in his book, but it was a, a very, very, very powerful uh, testimony to the peace of God guarding. I like how this verse is in the uh, Amplified this is Philippians 4, 7. We're getting, we're getting toward the end. We're going to go to 9. Uh, and I think we'll make it before noon. Here's how uh, the Amplified said. Maybe you need this in your mind today. I certainly need it. Some days much more than others. And God's peace shall be yours. That tranquil state of a soul. Assured of its salvation through Christ. 
and so fearing nothing from God and being content with its earth, earthly lot of whatever sort that is, that peace which transcends all understanding shall garrison and mount guard over your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. That's one of the most amplified verses in the Amplified Bible. And it's powerful. It's amazing. I'm going to read it again, if, if that's okay with you all. And God's peace shall be yours, that tranquil state of the soul, assured of its salvation through Christ, and so fearing nothing from God, and being content with its earthly lot, or whatever sort that is, that peace, which transcends all understanding, shall garrison and mount guard over your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. For the peace of God. And then verse 9 says, not only the peace of God is in your heart and mind, but the God of peace will be with you. Isn't that beautiful? The peace of God is in us and the God of peace is with us. So these last two verses uh, that we'll talk about, 8 and 9, have to do mainly with our minds. So 4 and 5, we're rejoicing in the Lord. Six and seven were relying on the Lord, and this is now reflecting on the Lord, just pondering the goodness of the Lord. I don't know what comes to your mind when you think of something true, honest, just, pure, lovely, good report, virtue, anything praiseworthy. But for me, Jesus fits all of that. Think of Jesus. Several months ago, I was mowing the lawn, which is what I really enjoy doing. I just kind of can let my mind think about other things, and I see the, the windrows, or I imagine they're windrows of hay, and everything is just so nice and green. And, but about three or four months ago, I, just was, I started mowing with a heavy, heavy heart, and, and my mind just was very pressed down, and I found myself praying. Dear God, I need a word from you. I need a word. I think I thought about some different verses and I just wasn't getting peace. And I just prayed, God, I just need one word from you. And I keep going around. And all of a sudden in my mind was the word, Jesus. It was just very quiet, Jesus. I didn't hear a voice. It was just a thought, a quiet thought. Jesus, and I thought, is that the word? Yes, that's the word. We have everything in him. He's our creator. He's our redeemer. He's our shepherd. He's our guide. He's our living water. He's our bread of life. He's the way. He's the truth, the life. We have everything in Jesus. And the Holy Spirit of Jesus in the mind and in the heart can guard us from all these other thoughts that aren't true, that aren't honest, that aren't lovely. Praise the Lord for Jesus. Seems like he's winding down his, his letter. Finally, brethren, get a hold of this. If you get a hold of nothing else, get a hold of Jesus and the Holy Spirit guarding the mind. Those things that you learned and received and heard and saw in me, sometimes words uh, kind of go in one ear and out the other. I'd rather see a sermon than hear one any day. 
I'd rather you would walk with me than simply point the way. The eye is a much better pupil than ever was the ear. Good advice is sometimes confusing, but example is always clear. And there's no greater example than the Lord Jesus. So study him, love him, focus on him. So stand fast in the Lord, beloved. I want to tell you all, I love you. I've started doing that at the jail some. It's really interesting to watch the faces of the men. I want to say, if you forget everything else, remember Jesus loves you. And I love you. This, this letter is so full of love, so full of joy, so full of peace, so full of Jesus. I hope these uh, verses can encourage you in your walk. And uh, we should carry a song away, shouldn't we? Wasn't that how the last song ended? At least the last one from the hymn book. We did a couple little nursery songs too, only these Sunday school nursery songs aren't simple, they're profound. So maybe as Eric comes up for another song, let's sing the little J-O-Y song. It's to the tune of Jingle Bells, and it's a powerful song. So let's sing it while Eric comes. J-O-Y, J-O-Y, this must surely be. Jesus first, yourself Jesus first, yourself last, and others in between.